Welcome to the Work Life Brilliance Podcast with executive coach and best-selling author, Denise Renee Green. Denise fills each episode with humor, compassion, knowledge, and pragmatism to help you transform your life. Listen in and learn how you can tame your brain, lower your stress, and become the person you were born to be. Hello, my friends. Thank you for joining me and welcome to the Work Life Brilliance podcast. I am your host, Denise Green, and today I'm going to be covering in praise of imperfect parenting. So as if life isn't hard enough, I see my friends and my clients trying to be perfect parents. And y'all know I don't really believe in perfection unless it's we're, unless we're talking about science, math, engineering, then bring it on. But in parenting, Not only is perfection impossible, but it can damage our child and damage ourselves. So if you want to raise an anxious, risk-averse, low-confidence child, then go ahead and strive for perfection. But if you want to raise a resilient, courageous, mindful, happy child, allow yourself to be flawed. Trying to be perfect not only backfires on you, but it takes a lot of energy. Now, some of you know that when my daughter was born, I had serious health problems, and I didn't have the energy to even try to be perfect. And I remember one day I was talking with my new friend, Renee, who was also a new mom, and she said, I like you. I like you because you don't try to make it look easy. And I said, honey, I'm a terrible actress, and I don't have the energy. And we've been friends ever since. So I am not an expert in parenting, but I have somebody in my life who might be, and that would be my amazing 11-year-old daughter. So on a hike last week, I interviewed her, and she was very quick to tell me what she liked and didn't like about my parenting style. So one of the first things she said was she liked that I gave her salutary neglect. Now, rather than go Google Google this and look it up, I just asked her, um, can you please tell me what that means? And she said she learned it in social studies, and it was a term used to describe the British Crown's policy of avoiding strict enforcement of parliamentary laws that really would have annoyed the colonies and made them be obedient. And we all know what happened when they started helicopter parenting, those British Crown people. It didn't work out so well. So that was the first thing she liked. She said, I did have some rules that she thought were good, and I asked her what those were, and one of them was going to bed on time, and the other was not getting a tattoo. I did not realize that this was a rule in my house, but I'm, I'm glad that it is, apparently. Um, the rule she didn't like, but she understood, was eating her vegetables. She just asked if maybe she didn't have to eat as many. So yes, rules. Kids actually like structure, and they like rules, but not too many, and not arbitrary. The other thing she said she liked is that we spend quality time together. And I asked her what that looked for her, and she said, well, it's when you don't use technology at the dinner table, or when you're talking to me, you put your computer laptop screen down. Okay, I can deal with that. She said she also really likes that I've always spoken to her like a person and not a child. Now, this I was really proud of. I didn't know that she knew that I I did that, but it's true. Which brings me to a core tenet that I decided when she was very young that I would not lie to her. Now, this was really tricky 
how do you tell the truth in an age-appropriate way? So when she asks, of course, the question about where a baby's from, okay, let me figure that one out. And the answer evolved over the years. Um, or, mom, is Santa really real? Now, luckily, when this, came, when this one came about, I had just finished reading an article that said, if your kid is of the age of seven or above, and they are asking you point blank if Santa's real, don't lie. Before I gave her the actual truth, um, I would tell her things like, well, honey, I have never seen Santa, but there are lots of things I have never seen that I believe in. So you get to decide. That held her off for about a year and a half. When I asked my daughter if she had any advice for parents, she thought, and then she said, take care of yourself so you're not so stressed out. I thought, well, that's really great advice. How much time do you think a parent should spend taking care of themselves? She said, oh, I think 10 minutes is enough. This is where I beg to differ, but the important thing is that every day you are taking care of yourself because we all know that we are not great parents when we are really stressed out. Of course, we're gonna make mistakes. It's important to apologize, explain where it's coming from, and do better. And our kids are pretty forgiving. The other thing she said she really liked about our household was that we value kindness to all people. And I really loved this because her dad and I have worked on that her whole life. That's been a value that we've had. And I asked her, how can you tell that that's a value? She said, by the way we talk about people and by the way we talk to people, all people. Um, my daughter knows I'm going to go up to a homeless person, make eye contact, uh, say hello. We have a wad of $1 bills in our console that we're constantly handing out. We talk to strangers in the grocery aisle. We just see everybody as a potential friend. So even though my parents never tried to me raise me as perfect, I did it to myself. I was anxious, risk-averse, stressed out. I put myself on a strict uh, schedule starting at 5.30 a.m. And this is when I was in elementary school, people. Um, I studied really hard. I wouldn't accept anything lower than an A. So imagine if my parents had then put pressure on me. Of course, that would all change after I broke my back, but it took me many, many years to realize that perfection was not possible and it was not healthy to try and seek it. So where did that come from? Well, we humans all have an underlying story that we tell ourselves, and that is, I'm not good enough. This story sometimes makes it to the forefront of our thoughts. If we don't manage it, it turns to shame and pollutes our souls. Shame and guilt, I love what Brene Brown says about shame and guilt. Guilt is the feeling that we've done something wrong. Shame is the feeling that we are something wrong. And it is one of the most toxic emotions we can feel. So we don't want to ever put that on our children. Courage, real courage, comes from self-worth, a willingness to fail, to do scary things. And my daughter has seen me uh, fail many times, uh, whether it was divorce, whether she saw me weak from illness, whether she saw me on the floor grieving the moment I found out about my dear friend's death. And I've told her it's normal. It's normal to fail. It's healthy to fail. It's normal to grieve. Because when we're grieving, that means we loved somebody so much that our heart hurts that much. When my daughter 
was taking lessons on the circus trapeze. She looked up at this huge ladder, and she said, Mom, I'm scared. And I had a choice. I could say, honey, you don't have to do it. Or I could say something else. And I said, honey, it's okay to be afraid. Courage is when you're afraid and you do it anyways. So you get to decide. She climbed up that ladder and she took flying trapeze lessons for three years. And it was awesome. And that's another tenet I had was don't pass my phobias onto hers. The first test of this came from spiders in the house. Now, I don't have a serious phobia of spiders, but I really didn't like them. I would screech and call in my husband at the time, and he would rescue them, or rescue me um, by vanquishing the spiders in a very uh, violent manner. So one day I decided, when my daughter shrieked and saw a spider, I said, what should we name her? And she paused, and she came up with a name right away. Hmm, Maud or Franny. Okay, I think Franny would rather be outside. What do you think? And she said, yeah, I think she's lost. And we put Franny in a cup, we took her outside, and we deposited her. I know this sounds silly, but over time, I actually lost my phobia of spiders. Now, caveat, if I saw a tarantula in my house, I would run screaming from the house and call the fire department. But now, everyday spiders, they don't bother me. I often hear people say that kids grow up too fast. I've never said that. I've never believed that. They do change seemingly right before our eyes, and I have one that is 11, and man, it's kind of wild to see who she's becoming, and it's also awesome. She asked me the other day, Mom, do you miss me as a little girl? And I said, oh my gosh, honey, you were such an amazing little child, and you are such an amazing person right now. You have always been exactly the age you're supposed to be, and I am watching you unfold beautifully. She just beamed. It reminded me of when I was taking Judaic studies in college, and I learned that their philosophy is the role of a parent was to raise and release a great human being into the world to help heal the world. This requires love, a lot of effort, a lot of money, structure, but it doesn't require perfection. So ask for support. Take care of yourself. They don't tell us to put on our oxygen mask in the air airplane for no good reason. If we don't have capacity, we can't take care of others. So give yourself a break. Be silly. Dance. Lighten up. Talk about your futures together. Encourage growth, but not perfection. And now I want to leave you with a parenting manifesto from an actual expert in shame, courage, and vulnerability. Again, Miss Brene Brown. So I hope you'll enjoy this. You can Google this by just searching on the wholehearted parenting manifesto by Brene Brown. And she writes, Above all else, I want you to know that you are loved and lovable. You will learn this from my words and actions. The lessons on love are in how I treat you and how I treat myself. I want you to engage with the world from a place of worthiness. You will learn that you are worthy of love, belonging, and joy every time you see me practice self-compassion and embrace my own imperfections. We will practice courage in our family by showing up, letting ourselves be seen, and honoring vulnerability. 
we will share our stories of struggle and strength. There will always be room in our home for both. We will teach you compassion by practicing compassion with ourselves first, then with each other. We will set and respect boundaries. We will honor hard work, hope, and perseverance. Rest and play will be family values as well as family practices. You will learn accountability and respect by watching me make mistakes and make amends, and by watching how I ask for what I need and talk about how I feel. I want you to know joy, so together we will practice gratitude. I want you to feel joy, so together we will learn how to be vulnerable. When uncertainty and scarcity visit, you will be able to draw from the spirit that is a part of our everyday life. Together we will cry and face fear and grief. I will want to take away your pain, but instead I will sit with you and teach you how to feel it. We will laugh and sing and dance and create. We will always have permission to be ourselves with each other. No matter what, you will always belong here. I will not teach or love or show you anything perfectly, but I will let you see me and I will always hold sacred the gift of seeing you, truly, deeply seeing you. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and I hope you join me on the next one. Thanks for listening to Work Life Brilliance. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend. And be sure to give us some stars and a favorable review at iTunes.